You've heard about this thing called classical education, and maybe you're curious. Should you choose to pursue a classical education in your homeschool? Or maybe you already consider yourself a Christian classical educator, but you are feeling burned out. The kids don't seem to remember or appreciate the things you thought they would, and you wonder if it's even worth it. So why do I pursue a Christian classical education in our homeschool? It might not be why you think. Welcome to this week's installment in the Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology summer audio blog series. Each week, I'm bringing one of my most popular blog posts straight to your podcast player. Pop in those earbuds while you're on summer road trips, sitting by the pool, or folding laundry for some extra homeschooling encouragement. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Season 8 will be coming your way in August and will kick off with a fan favorite, a listener Q&A episode. Send me your questions about homeschooling, parenting, or life in general via email, amy at humilityanddoxology.com, or DM me on social media. I'm at Humility and Doxology on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you're wanting even more homeschool goodness, join me in the Made to Homeschool community. You can get all the details at humilityanddoxology.com m2h. We are having so much fun in there, and I'd love to have you join us. Join at humilityanddoxology.com m2h. Today's audio blog episode is close to my heart. I often describe myself as a restfully classical educator, but what exactly do I mean by a Christian classical education? Listen to today's episode to find out. I actually also have a printable transcript for the original YouTube video if you're interested. You can click the link in the show notes to get access. Why We Pursue a Christian Classical Education in Our Homeschool by Amy Sloan Welcome to Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology, a series of interviews with real-life homeschool moms, dads, and other educators on all sorts of topics that affect our lives as homeschool parents. I'm Amy Sloan, a second-generation homeschool mom of five, and I am so delighted that you are here. Here on Homeschool Conversations, we'll discuss educational philosophy, family life, and more. Come chat with us. Oh my heart. That little clip is of my youngest daughter when she was just two years old and she was lisping her way along with our family's Shakespeare memory, the very same Shakespeare that I was memorizing with the rest of the kids in morning time. Can you really introduce your your kids to Shakespeare? Can you easily include Shakespeare's works in your homeschool curriculum? Shakespeare for kids? Surely that is a crazy idea. But let me reassure you, exploring Shakespeare with your children can be fun and easy. And if you don't believe me, I challenge you to watch my free Getting Started with Shakespeare workshop, where you can explore some of the resources I rounded up, learn my three quick tips for getting started with Shakespeare, and then you'll be on your 
your way to exploring Shakespeare's masterpieces with your kids of all ages. You can head to humilityanddoxology.com slash exploring-shakespeare-children or just check the link in the show notes for more details. Okay, tell me I'm not the only one. You spend hours crafting an ultimate list of great books. You thoughtfully include Socratic-style discussions with your students. You basically make learning awesome. Truth, goodness, beauty, you are all over it. And then a few years or maybe months or worse weeks, days later, the children don't seem to remember any of it. You might ask them, like, don't you remember when we did this amazing thing? And they kind of look at you with that expression. Well, not really. Only in my family. Well, my parents classically educated me before it was cool. And I think that this second generation perspective gives me a unique insight. You see, my parents gave me an amazing education. It was rich in language and great books and original sources and philosophy and discussion and hands-on application and wonder and delight and adventures. But there are so many details that I can no longer remember. So was all that classical education or all that reading a waste if I can't remember all the main points, let alone the details? If education is merely the accumulation of knowledge, then my forgetfulness over the course of decades likely means my education failed. It's tempting now as a teacher to get a little grumpy about the perceived waste of my time and effort. In fact, why bother classically educating at all if our children, our students, sometimes don't seem to really remember much of anything. I mean, isn't classical education all about memorizing stuff? But do we really actually classically educate merely in order to absorb and regurgitate detailed lists of knowledge? Okay, if I can also be a little bit more controversial at this point, I would even assert that virtue alone cannot be the end of our classical education. If we're taking a simple pagan or Aristotelian definition of virtue all on its own without further clarification. Aristotle claimed that virtue is the ability to act in accordance with what one knows to be right. A Christian classical education, on the other hand, actually is constantly demonstrating to us and our children our inability to act in accordance with what we learn to be right. As we pursue this Christian classical education, we come face to face with the glorious heights of what is true, good, and beautiful. And we're properly humbled to realize how far short we fall from these ideals. But something more is required than mere intellectual knowledge of what is virtuous. We must love the one who is holiness himself, who is virtue incarnate. And it is that love of a person that transforms us, or as the Apostle Paul says, compels us 
to pursue lives of piety. And apart from that transformative love, we will have merely produced very moral heathens, or as Scott and Jane put it in their book, The Liberal Arts Tradition, we will have raised smart pagans. Obedience without love for Christ is death. I believe that actually Christian classical education's greatest strength, what makes it worth pursuing, why I am a Christian classical educator, is found, in fact, in the character of God himself. Classical education is unique in that it looks to and pursues ideals that exist outside of ourselves. And this humility and posture of submission in education is referenced by C.S. Lewis in his work, The Abolition of Man. He said, quote, For the wise men of old, the cardinal problem had been how to conform the soul to reality. Lewis then sets this in contrast to the modern desire to, quote, subdue reality to the wishes of men, unquote. We hear a lot about the transcendentals, about truth, goodness, and beauty, but I think it's important to remember that they are not themselves autonomous. These transcendentals flow from a transcendent God. He is outside the system, not under the sun. His very nature defines truth goodness, and virtue. They have no meaning apart from the one who is the eternally true and holy one. Jonathan Edwards once said, divine knowledge and divine love go together. A spiritual view of divine things always excites love in the soul and draws forth the heart in love to every proper object. Do you hear echoes there of Augustine's concept of Ordo Amoris? This is why a Christian classical education ought to drive us to wonder, to awe, to worship, and to delight. This is also why classical education is not irrevocably bound to a particular time, place, or culture. There is a way in which we can classically educate across cultures because we are pursuing transcendent truth that exists outside of cultural bounds. Of course, we know that the God of the Bible is not only transcendent, he is also eminent. And in God the Son, Jesus Christ, we have truth, goodness, and beauty incarnate. Why classically educate? Because Christian classical education embodies the transcendental ideals. If classical education has a goal of producing a truly good man, we find this fulfilled and incarnated in Christ. And this is really why I'm not interested in pursuing a secular classical education with my children. It can ask the same question, what makes a good man? but it can't answer the question fully or honestly or completely apart from divine revelation. And in addition, in Christ, we have the Logos becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Classical education is a word-based, language-rich education. So it should not surprise us that this powerful way of leading students out of ignorance and into wisdom 
comes from words, comes from the Logos. It was after all the Logos, the word, which worked within creation and brought something out of nothing. So Christian classical education is transcendent. It is also virtue and word enfleshed. But if it were not also active, it would still fall short. And it shouldn't surprise us that once again, it is within the character of God himself that we discover the source of the fruit of our education. God, the Holy Spirit, is the life giver, the fruit producer. Education must not occur in a vacuum. The end of our education is piety, helpfully defined by Clark and Jane, who I, I mentioned earlier as love of God and love of neighbor. Classical education works outward from right knowing to right serving. The cultivation of virtue is not ultimately, however, up to the teacher. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Humbly acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of our students prevents our classical education from becoming hypocrisy, as if we could acquire virtue by education alone. So how should we respond to that dilemma back at the beginning? You know, why bother classically educating if most of the details of the content will be forgotten? I can't remember now where I first heard this, but I remember someone asking a similar question about sermons. How many of us can remember the details or maybe even the main points of sermons from six months or five years ago or maybe a couple weeks ago? Does it follow then that listening to those sermons was a waste of our time? Absolutely not. For the grace of God is at work transforming our hearts through those simple words each week. We may not be able to list out or measure what we've heard in the past, but we see the results in who we are today. And thus it is with the education we receive and give. You know, these days, I may not be able to debate with you the finer points of Augustine's City of God, Aristotle's On Rhetoric, or Schaeffer's The God Who Was There. But these works and others were part of that incredible process that God graciously used to form the human I am today. I don't know now, and certainly didn't fully recognize even in the past, each stroke of the chisel each swipe of the sandpaper over my character. But the millions of words read, written, and discussed shaped and nourished the way I think and what I love. The experience of being challenged by the things I learned gave me a passion for continuing to learn and question and grow that remains today. And this gives me great hope and renewed enthusiasm as I direct my own children's Christian classical education. I can trust the process. I can trust that God is at work in the lives of my children. I can trust that those little drops of water, little grains of sand are forming who they are meant to become, who they are created to be. Christian classical education prepares its students for a lifetime of pursuing wisdom and virtue. It is not an end in and of itself. It equips us to be fully human. It challenges us to humble ourselves before the majesty of God and his creation. 
It calls us to fear the Lord, to love what is lovely, to live virtuously, and to serve those around us. Christian classical education thus beautifully aligns with our calling as Christian parents and mentors that we disciple the children in our care to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength, and that they would love their neighbor as themselves. Education is always repentance. Education, pursued well, leads to humility and doxology. Education must not ever be reduced to merely filling our minds with information. So, stand fast and watch the beautiful work God continues to do in all of us for his glory and our good. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to take a screenshot and share the podcast in your Instagram stories. Tag at Humility and Doxology when you share, and I'll even send you a code for $5 off anything in my shop. Until next week, happy summer and happy homeschooling. Thanks for listening in on this week's Homeschool Conversation. For show notes and links to all the resources we discussed, head to humilityanddoxology.com slash homeschool-conversations. And if these episodes are an encouragement to you, would you take a moment to leave a rating and review and to share with your friends? I am so thankful that you are here on this adventure with me. Let's repent of our constant striving, relish the joy of learning, and rest in the work of Christ on our behalf. Stand fast, my friends.